This WebmasterRadio.fm program is made possible in part by the following. The lower the temperature drops, the closer you are to AFCON 2010 Miami. Book a luxurious suite for AFCON 2010 Miami at the Fairmont Turnberry Isle Resort and Club by logging on to bit.ly slash AFCON Miami. Escape the cold and embark to our winter oasis for affiliate marketers at AFCON 2010 Miami, December 8th through 10th. You can register now by going to AFCON2010.com. That's A-F-F-C-O-N 2010.com. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Changing rapidly. The balance of power is shifting. shifting. Some affiliates are growing larger than the brands they represent. Stay ahead of this and other trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Stay up to date about the fast-changing world of affiliate marketing from the perspective of those who are revolutionizing the affiliate marketplace. Learn the inside scoop of important industry issues and emerging trends with the whales of the industry from CEOs and COOs to super affiliates and iconic innovators. It's time, it's time to get inside with Affiliate Marketing Insider only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host, Wade Sisson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Affiliate Marketing Insider here on WebmasterRadio.fm. I'm your host, Wade Sisson. I'm the Director of Marketing for Schaff Partner Centric, which is an outsourced program management firm. My guest today is Bennett Kelly of the Internet Law Center, which, help, which helps businesses navigate the evolving legal standards for today's digital economy. Welcome to the program, Bennett. Thank you. It's great to be here, Wade. It's great to have you here. Um, I'm excited to have you on the program today because you are part of the Internet Law Center, and we wanted to bring you on to talk about legal issues that every affiliate and merchant should know. So I wanted to get started today by talking about a little bit of the history of your company. I wanted to start by having you tell us what led you to found the Internet Law Center back in 2007. Um, I've been in the online marketing space since 2000. Um, I, I worked with uh, one of the leading internet game sites um, before the crash called speedclick.com, which is part of network commerce. And I was, uh, I was the in-house counsel there and then um, went to um, a company called High Speed Media, which some of you may have heard of. And we got acquired by ValueClick and I was with ValueClick for four years. And, and so during the time, I really got to know the space really well. I knew a lot of people in the space. I knew people at the FTC and in, and in Capitol Hill. And it just seemed like a good time to, you know, take advantage of everything I know and the people I know, and um, and just try to you know, branch out on my own. And so I, I have a, a colleague in South Carolina and, and myself, and um, working in Santa Monica. And because you, have, I understand that all of the lawyers at Internet Law Center are also internet entrepreneurs, which kind of gives you that mix of skills that you need to do what you do. Tell us about what services you provide. Sure, we. Um, you know, we're business lawyers, and we look at, um, and because of our experience, I think we look at things differently. But you know, we provide everything from your basic business needs for startups 
um, from, you know, from contracts to corporate. But, you know, what we're, we're really valuable is in, in compliance issues for, you know, marketing online and, you know, everything from canned spam to, you know, FTC guidelines. And, and so, you know, we have tons of experience there. And, you know, I've been involved in canned spam since, you know, since it was first introduced. So, um, yeah, I, you know, there are only a few people that know it as well as I do, I think. And, uh, so that, that, that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, where, um, where one of our, I guess our sweet spot is we, we spend a lot of, a lot of our efforts there for clients and, um, and, and also on the FTC compliance issues. That's a very big issue. And we've even handled FTC investigations. Okay. Well, I want to go over some legal topics and get your thoughts on them. But before I do that, I understand that the Internet Law Center also plays a role in shaping Internet law and policy. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about laws or policies that you've helped to create. Sure. Um, when, I, uh, when I was working at ValueClick, and I was responsible for governmental relations. And I actually had, a, had the opportunity to have a meeting um, with a colleague of mine from DoubleClick to do an Internet 101 presentation to the Key House Committee um, that had um, responsibility for dealing with the spyware legislation, which at the time, they were, it was being drafted in a way that would include cookies as spyware. And it's halfway through the presentation, um, one of the key staff people said, I get it, you guys aren't so bad. And it just, <laughs> and it just dawned on me that these are very smart people. And it took me you know, 45 minutes to get them to that point. And so I really realized that we have to do a, a, a real big education effort. And I thought, well, if this is Capitol Hill, where well, they have tons of resources, what about the state legislators? And so I, I was—I've um, just finished a, a year as um, co-chair of the California Bar Cyberspace Committee. But four years ago, I launched an effort to create a cyberspace primer, and we actually de de released it this year in Sacramento. And just a primer on um, you know the key, the developing issues and in, in cyberspace. And so, and, and I've testified on legislation in Sacramento as well. Um, so, you know, I try to you, be involved you know, to the extent I can. What sort of feedback have you received from lawmakers about the primer? I mean, basically, information is is helpful to them, you know, because they they don't have the resources. You're making it easier for them to understand an issue. You know, they love you, and um, and so, you know, for example, a lot of people don't complain about lobbyists and. And granted, there probably are abuses, but they provide a very valuable role. They provide information. I mean, if we didn't right. have that, if we didn't have that meeting in, on Capitol Hill, those people would have wouldn't have known, understood that they were introducing a bill that would have made um, HTML illegal. <laughs> and you know, it's just because when you define things, if you don't understand how things work, you can define it in a bad way. Which is why I always tell um, lawmakers that they're better off focusing on. Um, conduct and technology. You know, the, the technology is neutral. Don't try to legislate the technology. Legislate, legislate right. the conduct. Well, and that education has proved critical, particularly with the affiliate nexus tax, been cited time and time again as the thing that's that's really changed the tide. When they were trying to pass those laws. I think so, and I think um, it's interesting. I spoke on the issue about three, you know, two years ago in January. Um, right after New York had passed, but before the other states had passed, and we got we got about five people to attend, 
And it was just funny because we had a room about 200 and they were worried about overflow. But, um, and then, you know, Rhode Island and North Carolina happened and, you know, I gave the same talk eight, you know, six months later when the room was full. And so, you know, the communities definitely responded. There's been a lot of good um, lobbying efforts by affiliates in California and Colorado and I understand Maryland and a bunch of other places. And, you know, you, we talked earlier about Rebecca. She's done a great job um, and, and is being part of that as well. Well, I have a whole list of legal topics to cover today because our topic for the show today is legal issues that every affiliate and merchant should be aware of. And I'd like to start with the big one, which is the affiliate nexus tax. What sure. Should, what should people know about that at this point? Well, I, I think the, I always think tell people, well, let's see, why is this coming up now? And the, the recession has really hurt states and put them in a, a very a big fiscal bind. And, um, you know, for example, right now, and this is, we're, about, we're just about to enter fiscal 2011, fiscal year 2011, or maybe we have, um, in a lot of most places in September, I guess, started fiscal year 2011. Well, already 47 states have deficits, even after they pass their budgets. And um, for, um, for 17 of them, the, the deficit is greater than 20% of their last year's budget. And for several of them, it's even greater for them 40% in the last year's budget. And wow. and there's already now, for, you know, the fiscal year 2012, which doesn't start until next September, there's already 39 states that have deficits for, for 2012. And, you know, nine of them have more than 20%. So they're, they're in a fiscal crunch that basically is predicted to last for the next two to three years. Um, just because of the recession really just dr drowning out um, the revenue flow. And so what they're doing is they're looking for money. And because of that, um, you know, they're looking in, in politically you know, charged times. Um, trying to raise taxes is always tough. And so the, the Amazon tax is a perfect tax. There's an old rule, um, Senator Long, who's from Louisiana, used to be the chair of the tax committee in, in, in Washington, um, you know, said, it's always, people always say, don't tax me, don't tax you, don't tax me, tax the guy behind the tree. Well, Amazon's the guy behind the tree, and, and they're a, it's a big tree because um, you know, they, they do tons of business online, and there's a lot of resentment at the local level because you know, they feel that because of the not having to collect sales tax because they don't have a presence, it gives them a competitive advantage. And so they don't see a political downside because basically they're taxing right. a non-resident for the benefit of what they perceive for their local businesses. And that's why the affiliates have come in and try to say, no, you're actually hurting small businesses to the extent that these guys terminate us. Now, one thing that actually comes into play is you know, some of the stimulus money actually went to the states to help them with their fiscal, you know, balance their fiscal situation so they wouldn't have to do layoffs. And um, well, that's going to dry up, and so that's going to make it even worse um, coming into the next year. So you're going to have two years where there's going to be a lot of pressure. And if you look at the states with the biggest deficits, they, those are usually where the uh, Amazon battle takes place. Next on my list of legal topics that I wanted to talk about is behavioral targeting. Yes. The, um, the FTC has... Uh, has been very interested in behavioral targeting for some years now. I think they had a form in 2005 on behavioral targeting, and they've been kind of trying to develop some kind of standard for it. And in the process, they, they discovered that the world had changed dramatically, and maybe they need to go back to the drawing board because you know, how do you now they have to figure out what to do about social media, and you know they figured out that there's all these other different players. 
it's not just a, a, an issue of the the consumer and the website that they go to because there's you know intermediaries and and so they they just had a series of um, workshops earlier um, last year and early this year on the you know trying to get their arms around the whole issue with social media and uh, and, and behavioral targeting and they're expected to, to come out with something in the fall as terms of you know guidelines. Now they've been they've been pushing industry to do self-regulatory guidelines on behavioral targeting, and you know the IAB and the you know, Quadruple A and some others have come out with some guidelines on you know, for behavioral targeting, and you know they're kind of launching a PR effort on that. But it's the FTC is hinting that they may go to an an opt-in model where in order to do behavioral targeting on consumer, that consumer has to get some notice and and cons- give consent. Um, to right. be, and so that that's that's a very complicated issue. It's also being discussed on Capitol Hill, um, but it's, there's no chance of that anything happening on that this year. But um, yeah, that's a, it's an important issue because obviously you can consumers resp- um, don't mind advertising if it's focused and it's relevant to them. You know, of course they did they they mind you know they don't like advertising that has nothing to do with them, and so it's an issue of you know, obviously you know great revenue for the industry and also is better value for the consumer. Well, this is a good time to take a short commercial break. We're talking with Bennett Kelly about legal issues that every merchant and affiliate should know. Affiliate Marketing Insider will be right back. Affiliate Marketing Insider will return in just a moment only on webmasterradio.fm. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's Raven Tools. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to prwebauthor.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online news release and content distribution service. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. Advance your affiliate marketing efforts every week on Affiliate Buzz. 
Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel only on webmasterradio.fm. We're back with more Affiliate Marketing Insider only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Wade Sisson. Welcome back to Affiliate Marketing Insider here on webmasterradio.fm. We're speaking with Bennett Kelly about legal issues that every affiliate and merchant should know. Before the break, we were talking about the affiliate nexus tax and behavioral targeting. And Bennett, you brought up an interesting point when you were talking about the need of the industry to self-regulate before any government body would step in and regulate. And I wanted to ask from your perspective, do you think the industry is doing enough to self-regulate in order to stem that tide? And if not, where are we falling short? Well, what happened in behavioral targeting was interesting. The the FTC released guidelines for self-regulation and basically told the industry, uh, go do it. And, and, but it was supposed to be self-regulation. And so it was kind of top down. And there has been, there was some resistance. But I think, you know, um, the IAB and, and particularly what Mike Zana is doing, he's done a great job, I think, of, you know, spearheading this issue and getting people involved. And, you know, I think the IAB, they've taken a reasonable position trying to, you know, that balances both the business interest and protects consumers, and um, so I, I give them credit for what they've done, and they've mobilized you know a lot of the other you know uh, A's you know quadruple A and everything else that ends in A. Um, they, they've done a fairly good job there. So, um, but the question is, is you know the FTC if if you if you're you're an opt opt out and the FTC's an opt in, mm-hmm. you know the self regulation just it just won't work you know because that their bias is towards opt opt in. Right. So would you say overall the industry is doing a good job of self-regulation? Well, I think some of the industry, you know, because we're it's such a diverse industry, and just, you know, there's so many um, smaller entities that aren't part of the associations, but and so you can't control them. But I think you they definitely come around, and I think in terms of the larger um, players in the space, you know, they've really taken a, a responsible role, you know, working with the IAB and the others. Let's move on to our next legal topic, which is cyber abuse. <laughs> how, how do you define that? Oh, well, actually, uh, um, I, I do a lot of work in this space, and it's a peculiar uh, area. And um, I, you know, I basically define cyber harassment as you know abusive um, activity on the internet, often defamatory. You know, designed to cause harm either emotionally, financially, um, or even physically, you know, to someone, um, you know, through the internet or offline. But um, you know, this—if you look at some of the studies on um, harass cyber harassment, you know, they, they they on average last several months, and some of them last several years. I, I get calls, every, you know, every week. From all over the world on this issue, I represented a woman in the Communist Party of China, <laughs> you know, who was being harassed by someone here, and um, and so um, it's it's a it's a problem, and you know, law obviously. I remember I was at a seminar over the weekend, and someone said law is always twenty years behind technology, and I think you know we're, we're they're playing catch up here with, with cyber harassment, but then there's mm-hmm. the you know, but you have complicating issues. You have First Amendment. And you also have the 
you know, the speaker's right to privacy, and you know, that all came to a head in, in that case in New York involving skanks of New York, where someone had a blog who basically you know, they they posted people they thought were skanks, <laughs> and and one was this this, this model who uh, you know surprisingly did not appreciate being labeled a skank, and and sued, and you know the court actually you know unmasked who the blogger was. So you're saying I shouldn't do that anymore, then? Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. She's really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but you know, I've had you know, I had a client who um, you know, who actually was in more or less an internet neophyte. There was nothing about her on the internet, and you know, someone went on the on one of those you know, um, gripe sites for dating. This one was called Dating Psychos, and said all these things about her. It even said that she had herpes, which it wasn't even remotely true. And um, and she wasn't even dating anyone. That's the thing that really bu- puzzled her. And um, but since she wasn't on the internet that often, you know, the first the, all of a sudden the first three things you happen when you Google her is is that listing. And and so when someone finally pointed out, she freaked out and was just you know causing causing her fits. And um, you know, we were able to get that down. Um, but yeah, it's a problem. And you know you have to identify them, and and sometimes they're not even you know they're all over the world. How are you? How were you able to get that down? Just out of curiosity, does the Internet Law Center call Google and say, "Look, this is a legal issue here. We need your help." I actually dealt with the site. Um, okay. And you know, they 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 took it down. Um, they actually had. Um, they screwed up. Generally, those sites have immunity as long as they're not involved in the content. You know, uh-huh. they they stay immune. And these guys actually had had this setup where they'll take it down if you pay them a fee. And so, in that respect, you know, they they, they would, I argued they were then involved in con- the content. So I actually included them in the lawsuit, and you know, they wanted yeah. to get out of it. And so they they just removed her. And um, I worked with Google to get the indexing taken care of. And so it's no longer there. I would imagine the threat of a lawsuit probably handles a lot of these issues. How many? To- what percentage of times do you have to actually go to the next step beyond the threat of a lawsuit? Well, there's two issues: is you know whether you have to do it and whether the person has their resources. You know, a lot of people you know, they just don't have the resource to, to do that fight, and that's why they need the need law enforcement or some other mechanism, you know, some public interest group to handle it. I actually spoke to you know to. Um, you know, one of the, the leading um, law professors here in California, who you know, they just set up, open, open a new law school, and said, you know, this would be a perfect school to s- create a clinic, you know, where law students actually, you know, do represent clients in this space because there's a need that isn't being served, you know, because not everyone can can afford to move forward, but um, you know, been about half the cases I've handled, I've, I've had to do that. Okay. Well, one of the topics that I saw on your website listed that I think is especially important to note here is one of the topics is online promotion. So I'm wondering what legal issues might come up with that that affiliates and merchants should know about. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I had a client that was doing something very good, very good thing. And um, what they were doing is a, a raffle for a very good charity. And they thought, you know, why don't we um, just put this on the internet and just think of how much more will, will help this charity. And um, you know, at the time, the number of states that was legal in was um, zero. <laughs> and uh, and so all of a sudden they had this big legal issue. And um, basically, the states, when you when you work in um, promotions and sweepstakes, 
um, you have to understand um, state gambling laws. And basically, state gambling laws are if you pay consideration and, um, and the prize is a matter of chance, um, there's a risk that it could be, um, it could be considered gambling. And, and, and so in that case, or the, the term is lottery that they use, in that mm-hmm. case, then all of a sudden you're, you're engaging in illegal gambling in that state. And that happens, a lot of people do it unwittingly. And, they, and there was an issue, for example, with some of these um, you know, um, reality TV shows, you know, Dancing with the Stars or, you know, um, and some of the other shows like that, where you, you could vote, but you had to pay a fee um, as part of you know, your text message, some of the a fee went to um, you know the telecommunications firm handling that, and it, it was actually went to court about whether or not that was consideration to make this now a lottery, and so and um, the courts actually ruled said no, it was a de minimis fee, so it was okay. But you have to be careful, and um, and also in some depending on what you're giving away, if you're giving away a car or something like that, in a couple of states, if you're above a value of. Um, you know, five five thousand, I think, is the threshold. Like, but if you're over that threshold, in some states you actually have to register, and um, and some states you even have to post a bond, um, so that you know you're not doing a, kind of like what the producers did, you know, uh, where you're collecting, <laughs> um, you're <laughs> counting on being a loser and then selling three hundred percent. But um, you know, so the, the states are involved in that respect, and it's it's a way to easily trip up. Okay. I also wanted to ask you about the issue of privacy and how that might affect legal issues for affiliates. Well, I, it's interesting. I've been on panels with the FTC, and their approach on privacy is um, one they said you're focusing it more from the, looking at from the perspective of a data breach. You know, the fact that you have a data breach doesn't necessarily mean you'll be liable. Um, if you have, for example, adequate procedures in place to protect it, and this was just a fluke, you know, you may not be liable. Um, but they said the fact that you don't have a breach doesn't mean you won't be liable. And they've been going after firms. The FTC has the authority to regulate things that are unfair or deceptive. Mm-hmm. And um, they've actually used the unfair definition for um, – websites that collect sensitive information but don't have adequate security for that information. They say that's unfair, you're not giving it's you're not protecting the consumer in the way you should. And so some you know some companies have actually had to you know, go do consent decrees with the FTC because they hadn't provided a sufficient security. And so the, the more sensitive information, the volume the greater the volume of information you're collecting, um, you know, go with goes with that comes an obligation to you know, for, for protection for it. And so, you know, for an affiliate, it, it, obviously, they, they have to be careful. Uh, one, whatever they say they're going to do with the data they get, they they should do. And that's rule number one. You can always, you know, you, that's where a lot of people step on it. You know, they, they copy someone else's privacy policy and don't really pay attention to it. And then it turns out they're not really, they're not doing what that what that privacy policy says they're doing. And you can get you can get quickly get a nice visit from the FTC. And um, it, it, it's not and it's it, it's not social <laughs> <laughs> well Bennett I want to thank you for taking time to go over some of those specific issues there are more which unfortunately we won't have time to cover today but one last question that I wanted to ask you while we still have time sure you know, you're a lawyer you're an internet entrepreneur you have experience on both sides of it so I want to know what your take is on the future of the industry and any legal issues that may not even be on our radar now that might shape the future or just 
what you think the future is in general. Well, I think that I think the future is just brilliant in terms of you know we're we're getting more and more involved as consumers in the internet and in wireless um, and the mobile devices, and so I think the, the big issues going forward are going to be the, the use of, of mobile devices, and particularly you know geo tracking, geo targeting, you know RFID, those types of issues are going to be big, and also social networking. I think you know that's going to be a big issue in terms of the privacy. Issues and um, and what what they do and what they can disclose and um, I think you you know face you see the str- the struggles Facebook is having and you know that it's a new industry that they're, they're the leader and so everyone's watching what they do um, so I think that's those are going to be really the, the very hot areas and um, you know if you, if you also if you want to see the future you can go to South Korea I mean there they they have um, you know they're very much far advanced in in terms of their mobile technology. And I was at I was at something over the weekend where someone said that their now wives can actually get a device that will um, tell them where where their husband's cell phone is, and then qu- <laughs> and then quickly apparently another company came out that had technology that would um, you know have a decoy <laughs> and tell tell you know, and and give a different result. But um, you know they're, they're very much you know into. You know, they're they're integrated the, their consumerism with their mobile devices, and um, right. and, I, and I think that's kind of where we're going to be going. Well, Bennett, I really want to thank you for taking the time today to share your insights with us. Um, for those of you who'd like to hear more from Bennett, he will be at Afcon 2010, December 8th through 10th in Miami. It's the only show where affiliates attend free, and you can register today at afcon2010.com. You can also visit Bennett's website, the Internet Law Center, at internetlawcenter.net. That's all the time we have today. This has been another edition of Affiliate Marketing Insider. I want to thank you for joining us. You can tune into our podcast at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, every Thursday here on webmasterradio.fm.